to be honest. You've just got to you've got to force yourself to go over there because I was very nervous too. Uh, you know, I didn't really know anyone. It might be a first, an awkward first interaction, but it it quickly becomes authentic. And I just got a really good understanding of the business from those people. Welcome to the Junior Jobs Podcast, where we give new software engineers actionable job search advice relevant to today's job market. In today's developer interview, I'm talking with Thomas Barrett, who at 19 years old, skipped the college route and get hired as a software engineer after completing just a coding bootcamp. So we'll be talking about how to navigate the job search without that formal university degree. So if that's your story, let me know in the comments below so we can better support each other. And our sponsor for today is Nate Hobie with Hire.js. Hire.js is a service that helps you build your coding career organically through freelance project work so that you can get that valuable work experience without a formal college degree. So if you're looking to break into tech as soon as possible without waiting around for a better job market or after four years of college debt, Hire.js is looking for 15 to 20 people for its next cohort and is starting soon. So just use the link in the show notes and mention you heard about them from the Junior Jobs podcast and you should get $1,500 off their program. Well, welcome, Thomas. Glad to have you on. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I'd like to talk about your job search without a college degree a little more because in the United States, at least, with the college affordability crisis being what it is, higher education just isn't an option for many people. So. I know many people are looking for alternatives to still have a decent income and good work-life balance without having to put themselves into tens of thousands or sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. So uh, let's give people some hope today, Thomas. Mm -hmm. uh, so to start out, without a college degree, how long did it take you to find that job after graduating from your boot camp? Well, it took me about two months. I actually went to Norway on a road trip for about a month directly after finishing my boot camp, And then afterwards I came back and it took about a month for me to get through the interview process and land my first job. I just applied to maybe around four or five roles. Actually, I, I really didn't send uh, many applications out. Yeah. And let's talk about how to do it. Cause right now, most people that I talk to, it takes about six to nine months. Uh, mm -hmm. So leveraging the relationships that you have to get something quicker like that, I think is definitely something we want to call out. Uh, and then if you don't mind me asking, uh, how old are you right now, Thomas? I'm 19 years of age. I've, um, 19. A-levels. Yeah, so that's, uh, I'm not sure where that is in, in the American system. But yeah, it's um, the year after you finish your higher education before university over here. Okay, okay. And then at 19, how much money are you making right now? I'm making between 25 to 35,000 pounds. Okay, very nice. I'm not sure what the conversion rate is to U.S. dollars. Do you know that off the top of your head? Uh, no, I don't. Sorry, but okay. I, I'd assume it's around $40,000 maybe around that. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Good. So but let's look ahead a little bit here. Right. So at the age of 22, where an average college grad uh, will be leaving university, in the United States at least, they'll have on average about $33,000 in debt. And they'll have a starting salary of about $76,000 in the U.S. So where you will, in theory, at 22 years old, so three more years, at that point, you'll have no debt. You'll have four years of experience. 
And in the United States, at least, with four years of experience, you should be well over $100,000 a year and may even at that point being able to pull a senior title. Uh, so let's talk about specifics here because a big part of what you pay for when you go to college is that college is professional network. They have career fairs and relationships with employers. They have these pipelines for entry-level opportunities built, um, which many boot camps don't necessarily have. Or if you're learning on your own, you definitely don't have. Uh, so walk me through, for you, how did you find this opportunity? Well, I was quite lucky in the fact that my boot camp actually did have quite a good opportunity for networking after you'd finished the boot camps. We had a jobs board and there was lots of career events advertised on the Slack channels, which is like a sort of social media for the boot camp for the community. Um, and off the back of that, I found a tech event, a tech launchpad in my area for the company that I wanted to apply for. So I went there and I started talking to um, some of the people who worked for that company. One of them happened to be the lead at the the lead of recruitment for um, the area that I wanted to go into within that company. And I also started talking to the other employees who might not have been directly related to the area that I wanted to go into, but it would, they were still super valuable in finding, uh, finding in information out about the company so that I could then use that later and refer to it in my cover letter. Uh, yeah. So as you're talking to these strangers at this hiring event, what was your pitch that you think kind of made them or have you stand out in their mind? Um, well, I think to be honest, You've just got to, you've got to force yourself to go over there because I was very nervous too. Uh, you know, I didn't really know anyone. Actually, I came with one person that I knew from my boot camp. Um, and yeah, you've, you've just really got to, um, got to, got to push the boat out a little bit. You know, it might be a first, an awkward first interaction, but it, it quickly becomes authentic. Um, and I just, I, I, I didn't really beat around the bush too much. I just started asking about their role. Um, how they found working for the company, uh, the good and the bad, you know, because it's informational for me, but I also want to be using that information in uh, the interview process and my cover letter. Mm -hmm. And I just got a really good understanding of the business from those people. Well, I really like what you called out about how you were very uncomfortable there uh, at the beginning. Because Definitely. really for, for anything that we're doing new, it's going to feel uncomfortable and forced uh, at the beginning. Uh, like, for example, playing football, you know, European football, Amer American soccer. Uh, <laughs> your first few months, years playing that, it's going to feel a little forced. Practice is going to be difficult. And at some point, you get it becomes natural. Uh, you have so much experience with it. It's a natural extension of who you are. So people that complain about you know, networking events being you know, inauthentic or it feels forced or it feels fake, I mean, that's probably true initially. Uh, but the more you do it, the more comfortable you're going to get. So you mentioned earlier the cover letter specifically is something you think was was really wonderful. Uh, so what are some principles there to kind of get us excited about your cover letter that you think helped it stand out? I think that um, the ability to sound genuinely authentic, the ability to sound genuinely interested in the company is a big factor. Like you'll see a lot of copy pasted um you know, chat GPT style interest, interest in uh, the in the cover letter, which I think is quite easy to sniff out. But if you 
can talk about why you're interested in the company and then refer to the examples of, you know, where you found that information. Like for me, when I was talking to the employees at that company, I could say, okay, this person said that, said this reason was a great reason that person liked working at the company. Um, and I could, I could agree in that statement and, and build upon it. So for example, um, Accenture's a consultancy. So I, I said that, um, I was really interested in working in, in dif different industries and getting experience in different industries. Um, and I found that out from the employees. And then I talked about their, their experience. There's an interesting dynamic in the job search where you have to learn how to parrot the right information back to the company that you're talking to. Uh, if you were to go into an interview or even writing on that cover letter, they would ask you what you're passionate about. Well, you might say, I'm passionate about football. You know, I'm passionate about traveling to Norway, right? In, in reality, very few people are passionate about uh, sitting 40 to 50 hours a week in front of a desk, um, working on tight deadlines, uh, and oftentimes getting interrupted uh, on the weekends with the production outages or deployments, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so the honest answer <laughs> may not necessarily be the best answer. No, maybe uh, not. You have to, but you have to find the overlap between what's yeah. valuable and important to you and what's valuable and important to the company uh, so that you're, you're, you're speaking the same language. Mm -hmm. uh, so looking on the interview process now then, you were probably had several candidates applying to that same role at that same company, right? Definitely. The job search is not like school or even your boot camp where if you just do your best, you're guaranteed an A or you're guaranteed an outcome like a job in, in this instance, right? There's a competition aspect to this. So uh, what was the interview process like for this company versus how many steps were there? Uh, and then I want to dive into each one of those to, to you think, uh, to figure out kind yeah. of where you think you stood out. So there was, uh, the, the whole process, it did take about a month. Um, there was, uh, I call it four stages. So they would review your cover letter and your CV, your cover letter, if you wrote one and your CV, and then there'd be a technical test. Then there was an interesting stage where you had to give a presentation for, I think it was 10 minutes, a 10 minute presentation to show your public speaking skills and your soft skills. And then, um, then they give you behavioral and some technical questions in that interview. So it's quite long. It was quite long interview uh, step, that one. Uh, and then there was a final interview stage, which was kind of just like a vibe check. They were just checking. <laughs> uh, you, you know, the person that they brought through the interview process was who they thought that, that they were. Um, and they didn't give you the role there, but afterwards, you know, if you did well, then, uh, then you got the role. Yeah, they'd have to review all the candidates and compare notes because each one of these interviews, you're talking to somebody different, right? Mm -hmm. And they, they each have to kind of all agree. Because at the end of the day, even the behavioral interview, in a way, is kind of a vibe check. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're trying to assess out, okay, here are some stress stressful situations. Uh, you know, Hypothetically, how would you handle them? Because I'm going to be spending a lot of time with you, and I want to make sure you're not going to screw me over, or you're not going to freak out, and you're going to be chill right? As, as we go through this. So uh, being able to turn this interview into a conversation, you know, a friendly conversation, uh, is going to go a long way into helping them feel comfortable recommending you uh, uh, for the job because they're going to want to spend time with you. Okay, so we talked about the CV portion. We talked about some principles there that, that jumped out for helping you uh, land the role. 
Uh, so uh, the next one, remind me, what was the second step? The second step was the technical interview. Um, it was just a pretty standard uh, four questions, although I, I had about two hours to complete them and uh, I was on my own for that. Uh, so it was non-pressured. It wasn't like a whiteboarding interview. Um, and yeah, I probably had more time than I needed um, and they increase in difficulty as well. So the first one was fairly simple. And then these are, they did. These are coding yeah. questions. Yes, coding questions. Yeah. Okay. And you had like yeah. an IDE in front of you that you were coding it in, or what was that experience like? Um, yeah, it it was uh, it was very easy, very easy to use um, on a platform called, called Codility. I'm not sure if you've heard of Codility, but I yeah. actually um, I actually used a lot of like practice questions on that platform before I did the test, which I, I knew was on that platform. So I knew it was going to be a similar type of question, which I think can be useful. But of course, you don't always know what platform the test is going to be on. Yeah, but it's a good principle, I think, still to early on in the interview process, if you can ask and if you can figure it out, uh, mm -hmm. because there's nothing worse than feeling like, hey, I'm really good at coding. I feel really confident. And then you show up and they're having you do a whiteboard test and you're not and you're so mm -hmm. used to having the IntelliSense, the autocomplete, uh, or you show up and it's using some other tool that you've never used before and you're getting confused about the, the syntax or you know, the, the color schema or whatever. It just adds to the, like, the fear and the tension uh, in the interview. Uh, so I would definitely recommend, if you can early on, ask the, about the platform that you're going to be tested on. Because I also think it's a good idea it essentially makes it an open book test, or at least one that you can prepare for, because then you can use that platform to practice similar questions, mm -hmm. uh, and you kind of know how to use the tool, and you kind of know what to expect. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, it's, it is. It's interesting because when I first started using that platform, I was getting like zero percent on the questions. I was yeah. really struggling, but then by the end, I'd done quite a few. I was getting good marks, and that made me more confident for the actual technical interview, which I was nervous for anyway, but yeah. it just gave me that confidence boost as well. It feels like you know what you're doing, you're comfortable with the IDE. And yeah, it's, you, it's, a, it's great if you can get it. You show up at that interview, you pull it up, and you're like, oh my gosh, thank goodness. I'm gonna, mm -hmm. I'm gonna rock this. Yeah, there, yeah, there's an interesting part of the job search where so much of it is meta, right? Like you could have spent you know, hours actually building real solutions, uh, reading real code, and you know, learning, iterating, and creating you know, a real project that would have made you a better programmer and still you would have not have been prepared for the technical interview. Like, it's like the interview it is a thing in and of itself that you need to be able to be prepared for uh, that you can pass it and move on from. I think companies are doing better at this. I know at ours, for example, we've recently, our, our technical interview is now more focused on the actual day-to-day -day of the job that you're going to be mm -hmm. having. You know, fix yeah. a small bug, add a form to this, uh, to this website or something. Mm. Uh, but that's not the case in a majority of, of places. A lot of them are kind of as you described. Okay, so you you do that, you feel really confident, you you, you pass, and the next stage. Remind me of that. So that was the presentation stage. You get a ten minute interview and behavioral and technical questions live. Okay, now this one is something unique to the consulting industry. I started my career in consulting. I did that for uh, eight years. And only in interviews for consultancies was I asked to do what you're describing here. Yeah. 
Uh, and that is, from my perspective, a big note that I've called out before on this podcast, that if you feel like you have strong communication skills, customer service related skills, maybe you come from retail or teaching and you know, talking to people is something you're very comfortable with. Consulting is a great way to get your foot in the door because the technical, at least from my experience, uh, the technical interviews were not as difficult because they tend to focus on consultant demeanor, you know, whatever that means. It's, it's really a combination of how well and how effectively you communicate and how friendly and approachable and how much trust and how quickly you can, you can build that trust with, with new clientele. So uh, let's, let's break that down then. For your a 10-minute uh, presentation, how much preparation did you have for that presentation and what was the, the topic on? So my topic was on why I thought that a boot camp was um, better than a university degree at preparing. Oh, wow. Okay. So I was really like just trying to help myself uh, to, to get the job with that one, pu pushing forward my agenda. But um, how I prepared for it was actually quite interesting because I am really not very good at public speaking or I wasn't that good at public speaking. I was ha in my boot camp I had to do a presentation and I was actually having a small panic attack whilst I was doing it and I didn't even realize that I had this this thing that was happening the, these panic attacks during presentations until quite recently so I started going to um, Toastmasters International which is a public speaking group just in preparation for this interview by the way um, I only went to a couple of sessions before the actual interview but um, you have to speak live in those. And that was very useful because it's a lot easier to um, speak over Zoom than it is to speak in front of a group of like 10 people or something. So it was really like throwing myself in the deep end and then the actual presentation wasn't as bad. But I must have done so many mock interviews of that presentation going over it word by word. I recited what? the whole script. I love that you identified a weakness and you found a way to reinforce that weakness. Because in most boot camps, they have some generic material that they are trying to march you through. And they don't necessarily have the maturity in their mentorship program or career services program, what have you, and being able to customize the approach to each individual student. Uh, so highly recommend you don't rely on your bootcamp alone to give you the skills that you need to be successful in your job search, whether it's Toastmasters, whether it's programming, using different technologies in your free time. Ultimately, you are your best advocate and you are the one best positioned to know where your gaps are. So you just need to be honest with yourself and put in the extra effort. It used to be, and maybe this is still true for the four-year college degree, that just having that degree alone is oftentimes sufficient for you to land that first job or that first interview right out of school. But if you're coming from a non-traditional background, uh, you, do, you don't have the, the credibility of the, the larger university institution supporting your degree, especially since most boot camps are relatively new. It's something just in the last few years. So that's, that's a great habit and pattern that you called out there. So if anybody is curious about the skill difference or the interview difference between a software engineering role and a software consultancy role, I actually have an episode uh, a few weeks ago that I recorded about comparing those two. So check that out and I'll link it here in the description of this video um, so you can kind of better understand which one might be best for you. Okay, so then after that, is that that's the behavioral interview, the vibe check? So, so 
well, it was a presentation and then behavior and behavioral interview questions and the technical interview questions, which was took about maybe like 45 minutes after the presentation. Okay. Oh man, they've stacked it all up on you in like one day. Yeah, they did. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So like, give us some examples of behavioral interview questions that you think developers should be ready to answer. I think the, how do you handle conflict is a very common one. Uh, especially because uh, so many companies operate online, how you deal with conflict is very important because uh, you can be very passive aggressive um, in, in some teams and they want to check that everyone's getting along nicely within their teams. Um, I think maybe another question would be maybe remind me of a time when you showed initiative um, and went above and beyond because that's companies are always looking for that. They love that one. Yeah. Um, those are those are two good examples that are very applicable to the consultancy world because as you mentioned those these are the two thoughts that I had. All right, so the first one was how do I handle conflict? Well, as a software engineer, if you get in conflict with another developer on your team, the blast radius of that conflict is really scoped to just that team. Uh, but as a consultant, if you get in conflict with your client, you could blow up the entire project and get the contract canceled. So that's a huge liability if you're not really good at conflict resolution. So that's what they're trying to suss out there. Are they going to be comfortable deploying you to the client site and they can feel confident knowing you're not going to ruin everything for them? Uh, and then the other one, so remind me of a time that you showed initiative. So consultancies, part of their business models, you'll get planted on a project and they're going to start naturally, or naturally, in a good way, looking for other problems in your system. One, that's great because as a company that hires consultancies, that means we can get things fixed. We can make our, our, uh, our solutions better. But for consultancy, they are also looking to sell more work. Uh, so they're looking for people that can kind of suss out these new opportunities, surface them, and hopefully help them uh, launch new projects. So you kind of have to have, be that entrepreneurial-minded, uh, critical thinker, uh, but also very personal, personable. Uh, those type of people would be excellent in a, in a consulting role. All right, so then behavioral interview questions, was, that was great. Okay, vibe check. That's the last <laughs> one, correct? Yeah. <laughs> Help me understand what more, what that looks like. I was really just checking that, yeah, the what the previous interviewers have said about you is correct and that they really just want you want to bring you onto the team you're going to be a good asset and um you just you can hold your own in conversation really and they, they also just want to see that excitement in person um about about the role and that yeah you're not just there for the money you are genu genuinely interested in the company which i think you really do need um because that with so many applicants there's definitely going to be people that you know are absolutely crazy about this role and um, so you yeah. you need to have that you know that drive to really really want it and show them that you care about the company there's so much energy that you have to bring to the job interview right it's it's like uh, keep me honest here it's been a long time since i was in the dating pool here thomas but yeah, the equivalent <laughs> would be right imagine you as a single man are the, the interviewer, right? And you have all of these potential girlfriends in front of you. And you know, half of them are lukewarm and boring. Like, no, you, you don't want to spend time with them. And as an employer, I'm going to be spending 40 hours a week with you or more. 
I spend more time with my coworkers than I do with my own wife and kids, right? So in the interview process, even if you're not really feeling it, you got to at least pretend like you're feeling it because that's yeah. the only way to really stand out. You got to bring so much energy to that conversation. Definitely. Great analogy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's still valid even today. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, good. Well, thank you so much for breaking down the interview process. I think that's be, that'll be very helpful. That's something that we haven't done necessarily in previous interviews. Uh, so I really just want to thank you for your time, Thomas. That's all the time we have for today. And I want to thank any, everybody that's listening. Uh, we will catch you all next time. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Junior Jobs Podcast. We hope you found today's interview helpful as you navigate your own job search in tech. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to like and subscribe as that helps us reach more developers in need. And don't forget to check the show notes for details on today's sponsor and other job search services that we provide. Thanks for listening and have a great day.